Welcome to the Ice Cold Takes Podcast. I am your host, Joey DiMeglio. And after introducing Peter LaViolette to the media on Tuesday, the Rangers have filled out their coaching staff. Joining me today to talk about it all are my friends, Python and Nick Rose. How's it going, boys? We're back. Yes. So good to be the substitute. Python <laughs> is in, uh, I don't know where you are. What are you in? Winnipeg. My quality sounds awful, so I... To everybody listening on Spotify, even on YouTube, uh, Python's audio is going to be all staticky whenever he speaks. He's going to sound like a transformer, but we're going to press. Hey, I'm here. I'm here to save. I'm here to save Pierre Dubois. Leave me yeah. alone. I'm here to get him out of Winnipeg. Hopefully, get him on the first flight to Montreal, uh, or I'm, I might just drive him. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So we're going to go on winter break vacation. We're going to go to Winnipeg, right? Yep. Oh, I mean, it's snowing right now. I I had to wear a jacket and everything outside. I mean, everyone looked at me like I was insane. Everyone was walking around in shorts and a t-shirt while there was ice on the road. And then I was just all dressed up in my North Face and everything. and Bundled up. Yeah. So I don't know. You're all set. (laughs) We're just waiting for Dubois to say yes to New York. And then. That's all we're waiting for. To take a $1 contract to play in New York. (laughs) I don't even know if we could afford that, dude. Yeah, one dollar is too much. How about fifty cents? I, that might be closer to reasonable. I think. I think the Rangers cap situation, like they could maybe afford like some value menu stuff from McDonald's. That's about it. Like hey, the cap went up a million. Afford. Don't don't. Right. Don't forget it. Really. Yeah, and we, it's we can sign someone to an ELC. And the cap is not going up any more than a million. Just got to point that out to everybody. Uh, so exciting. Sick you know, league. Stick. Yeah, stick half a fourth million. Line, yeah. Yeah. Sick fucking league. Um, In other news, Henrik Lundqvist got inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yay! Hank is here. Henrik Lundqvist, one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. Well-deserved getting into the Hall of Fame. First first chance he got, and he Mm -hmm. made it in. Mm -hmm. Unlike who didn't get into the Hall of Fame. Alexander McGillney. McGillney. Yet again. Yeah, what's the guy's name? Ken Campbell. Is he crying right now? Somebody dude, check in on him. Him and Buster only are just having bad weeks when it comes to New York sports takes. Oh, forget about it. They're trying <laughs> to do the chop with Blooper right now. <laughs> Buster only's got a uh, had a rough like month probably. God, I can't. Sports. <laughs> He's um, but fucking idiot. But seriously, Lundquist making the Hall of Fame. I talked about it with Weeksy. You know, he made the speech went like a year ago at his retirement ceremony that next stop is, is Cooperstown for him, mm-hmm. wherever they call it in, in hockey. I know they call that for baseball, but Hall of Fame, Hank is there. What do you got? What are your guys like, like most memorable moments? I saw the Rangers asking about this online uh, on social media today. What's like your favorite moment? You go first. Cause mine's kind of a meme and it's not the meme I posted. It's a different one. <laughs> uh, I mean, if we're going to go, like, an actual favorite moment, not all memes aside, uh, for me, biasly, it's just the fact that he tossed me a puck during my first NHL game. So Did he really? That's, yeah. Yeah, during warm-ups. Wow. It was against the Islanders. He tossed me a puck during my first NHL game. So that memory sticks out to me the most. That, Did you toss so him back a, a pack of Swedish fish? <laughs> No, I wish I did. <laughs> I saw one fan earlier this year uh, hold up like a pack of Swedish fish to Zabanajad, and Zabanajad threw threw her a puck. Did <laughs> he really? Yeah, I think so. I have a picture of it. I gotta look back at my phone. But what's your favorite moment, Nick? I'm gonna do a little share screen so I can show you guys. Okay. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, Evan's computer might <laughs> might just shit I'm not out on my him. computer. Don't worry. We're on the phone now. This if my computer right works, I'm switching over. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I remember that. When he I... sprayed Crosby in the face while he was going down to the ice, that shit killed me. I just loved, like, Henrik Lundqvist, like, probably in, in all my years of watching sports, might have been the most fierce competitor I have ever seen in my life. I don't think anybody I've ever seen anyone take sports as serious and compete 
harder than Henrik Lundqvist, and that's what I absolutely loved about him. That guy never took a game off. He's I, I can't think of a single time where I was like, man, Lundqvist is having a bad stretch here. It doesn't even look like he cares. I, I could never. I don't think anybody could ever have said that about Henrik Lundqvist. He took every single day serious. He was I truly love that one of him. a kind. And everybody I spoke to, everybody we've heard speak about him has said the same thing. Like, mm. like no, for real. He was like that in practice, too. Yeah. Like he made it really difficult for us. He would get so pissed when he would when, mm-hmm. when he would get scored on. Like to do that for your entire career, every single day. Mm-hmm. That's true consistency. That dude is great. Kevin Hayes said on an interview with Spit and Chickles one time that he scored a goal on Henrik Lundqvist in warmups, and Lundqvist was scream cursing at himself in the crease <laughs> in freaking warmups before a game. And he was like wigging out in the crease had to give up a goal in warm-ups. Mm. Uh, I have to I have to say that my favorite moment will always be the waffle board save on Vanek in yep, the dance game six of the conference finals. Fun fact that game was the day I received my confirmation um in church. And oh, shit. Yeah. God yeah. Dang. So May twenty fourteen. Never forget that the Rangers clinched that night. I had to make sure that when I went out to celebrate that whatever restaurant we were going to had a TV so I could watch mm-hmm. that game because I was not missing that. No. Not missing is. that. I remember sitting there like like nervous as hell <laughs> seeing him make that save and like wondering what the hell just happened. Mm-hmm. How did that how? All those all those times like a puck deflected off of a defenseman. Mm-hmm. It just always seemed to go in. Like, and that seemed to yep. be the only way Lundqvist would get beat in like 2012, 2013, 2014. He stopped that one. He stopped yeah. that one. In like, like famous fashion where it's like probably the most memorable save of his career. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a, a bunch, a whole bunch of other saves he's made that you'll remember forever. But that one, like the importance of it, mm-hmm. one nothing game, he gets the shutout. I will never forget that. The things I would do to be able to say that was the cup-winning save. Oh, God. Yeah. The things I would do for that. Right. But you know what? I mean, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. doesn't matter that he didn't get a cup. He's one of the greatest goaltenders of all time, if mm. not the greatest goaltender of all time. He's certainly the greatest goaltender to have never won a cup. Yes. Yeah. Certainly. Right? So, I mean, well-deserved for him. Good for him. Moving on to other Rangers talk, the Rangers introduced Peter Laviolette to the media on Tuesday. So we're recording this Wednesday, so that would be mm-hmm. yesterday. When mm-hmm. it comes out on Spotify, it'll be Tuesday for you guys. Um, yeah, so Laviolette coming in. They found his number 39 jersey. He played 12 games <laughs> for the Rangers. I thought that was pretty funny. And... Uh, Laviolette was kind of joking that he couldn't, that his family couldn't find it because like the Rangers had already gotten it. And that's why it was so hard to find something like along those lines. But um, you guys have any big takeaways from the press conference? I hope he's not lying about what anything he said. Right. Yeah. I mean, I said in my video, I've been saying it at nauseum that it's words at the end of the day, actions. Mm -hmm. Wait for them to. There he goes. Uh, am I here now? Am I good? Gotcha. You're back. Okay. I was just saying though that, uh, yeah, actions speak louder than words, and we need to wait and see the product on the ice before we could, you know, see if he was lying or not, telling the truth, mm-hmm. and if he's really gonna have the team play with that much compete. But at the same time, it is on the players as well. The players have to buy into the system and. They can't take, they can't take the easy way out. And like I've been saying, also, this is the last coach for this core. If the yep. core does not buy into Laviolette, then I, I don't think they're going to buy into a future rookie head coach. I don't think they'll buy into any other head coach. So you might as well just trade them after that. But this is the last go for the core. This I sort agree. of first phase of the rebuild would be a failure if they don't get their act together um i want to read a tweet from vince mercagliano the message from laviella is clear this team has lots of skill and talent but to take the next step they need to become a team that competes and works at a higher level 
that's what he believes takes good teams and pushes them over the edge. So a lot of people a lot of people talk about how good the 93-94 Rangers were, right? And that they the reason they were good was because they added the, the toughness at the deadline. They had Messier. They had Mike Keenan coaching them. They were tough. But I'm going to talk about my team, the 2013-14 Rangers, mm-hmm. which had the aforementioned Henrik Lundqvist making that save. That team in the years prior under John Tortorella were the hardest working. That's the hardest working team I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. They did not have the skill level enough of the skill level that they that needs that they needed to take them over to the top. Alain Vigneault added that. Say what you want about him, mm-hmm. how his tenure ended. I know he didn't use Buchnevich. I know he he dropped the ball with Yandel on the third pair. I know the Rangers choked in sixteen seventeen playoffs. Alain Vigneault that. added mm-hmm. added a whole layer of of skill to the team. He got the defense to jump in on the rush, and his coaching staff was incredible. Old Samuelson, they did wonders on on uh, Ryan McDonough. Remember how good McDonough mm-hmm. was? It was a number one defenseman at that time. It was pretty. It was cut and clear too. Yeah. So I'm looking at it as like this is like the reverse here. So the Rangers have all the skill, but not enough of the work ethic. Hundred percent. Twenty thirteen, fourteen. They had all the work ethic, but mm-hmm. not enough of the skill. That's what I'm looking what at. What a it. great analogy. Look at this guy. He came prepared today. What a great analogy, Joey. I like that, dude. It's, it literally is the ass opposite of what it was going into 13-14. And to tell you the truth, I hope it rubs off and works the same exact way. So this time we, you know, win the last game of the season, not lose it. I I see no reason for why it why guys wouldn't be accepting of a guy that's going to push their buttons like that. Because Zibanejad worked his ass off to get to where mm-hmm. he's at. Kreider worked his ass off to get to where he's at. You know, Kako, even him, has is, is pushed himself mm-hmm. hard since he first came into the league. Remember when he first came into the league, he looked like a toothpick? He's yep. the size of my pinky? Yep. Now he's like the size of like two of my fingers combined. Dude, he's like <laughs> Kapo Swolko. That kid is fucking a behemoth now. His, his shoulders have shoulders. Yeah. The guy, the guy is has put on the muscle. He's done exactly what he's needed to. That kid just needs to start finishing. Like if yeah. he buries fifty percent, we've said it time and time again on this show. If he finishes fifty percent of his chances, he's going to be a 25, 30 goal scorer mm-hmm. at least, at least. Yep. Next season, and that's what the Rangers need. They need their younger guys to step up and and play. Mm-hmm. And that leads me to my next next question or uh, next point. The next comment Laviolette made, he said on Kako and Lafreniere, those young guys, This I'm quoting him, those young guys, those young players do need an opportunity to grow. They have to be not given anything, but given an opportunity to grow. Everyone wants to feel that responsibility. Those conversations will be had. So what this is telling me is that he may not necessarily be going to give him, give those guys like power play time right away. They just need the opportunity to get the, the power play time. So here and there, they need to get a shift on the first unit, right? And that doesn't dismiss the idea that they're going to get five-on-five time. They need to get they need to get first-line minutes, first- and second-line minutes. Absolutely. I, I agree. I worry a little bit that that was pretty much just a copy and paste, almost verb, not verbatim, but pretty much exactly what Gallant said when he took over as coach. To tell you the truth, I, I almost fear like he gave himself a way out when he said – he was saying he was going to do this. They're going to they get more ice time, but they have to earn it, which almost sounds like a backdoor way of saying, yeah, they're kind of just still a mistake away from just getting demoted in the lineup again. And I fear, I hope it's not the case. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because we haven't seen him coach the Rangers yet. But I just fear it's going to be more the same with that. Like, I, I'm not giving up on Laffey and Cock with the players. I'm giving up on the Rangers' ability to develop them into better players than what they are now. That's it what I'm. That's what I'm giving up on. The thing about they have to be given an opportunity. That mm-hmm. sounds promising. What Gallant said was the fourth line. Uh, we're not going to put him on the fourth line because that's not exactly the way exactly what he ended up doing too. That I I don't know about that. Like maybe the first year, the first year there were times where he put Lafreniere and Kako on the fourth line. But even this past year, dude, remember? He had I know, Lafayette but there were times line? Lafreniere kind of deserved it. Oh, it hun- right, right. I agree. I agree. Right. I agree, but I don't, dude. I just feel like he never. I just feel like he never even gave them enough of a, a look in the top six. And I hope with Lavillette coming in as the new blood 
just says, fuck it, at least start some of the top six and gives them an extended look so they can get their feet wet. Not like, hey, let's give them three games, and if they're not like a two-point-per-game pace, like immediately take them off. Like, you're dealing with guys that are top-end players, and you're just stymieing them because you just dummy them on the third line. You give them 14, 15 minutes a night. I, I just did videos on Kako and Lafi, and both of their point their points and goals and assists per 60 went up as their time on ice went up, which is usually the opposite of what happens. Usually when players get more ice time, their points per 60, all their per 60 numbers go down. But theirs were trending upwards with more ice time. Really? So what was it before? Was it like? Uh, Laffy's assists went up, his goals went up, and his points went up per 60. No, actually, no, his goals per 60 went down. His assists and points went up. Kako's per 60, all numbers went up every year. He had more ice time. So like Kako's going into year five. Laffy's going into year six. Like, I think at this point they've paid their dues. They've waited long enough. They're technically, they're both veterans of the league. Now they're both on contract too. give them the friggin' ice and sink or swim. If it lasts four, if it's a 41 game experiment, so be it. We have nothing to lose. Cause right now, all we have with Kako and Laffy are depreciating assets. Mm-hmm. Because in the, like, on, like, listen, you have players, but in the in the in the grand scheme of what Chris Drury sees, is he sees depreciating assets because they're not getting better; they're just getting older. And if you're not getting better as you get older, you're a depreciating asset in his world. So I give them more ice and just freaking, for the love of God, make it work. Uh, if and if it means putting Kreider or, or other guys bumping them down the lineup, you just you have to do it because at some point you've got to start developing your young guys. The Rangers, the pretty much the only team in the league I can think of that does not have young players that are popping off. Like you have the Jordan Kyrus, the Tage Thompson's, the Matthew Barzell's when he first came with the honors, all these guys seem to work out just fine, but the Rangers just cannot develop ship. And it is infuriating. Uh, I might as well chime in and add that uh, Python is no longer on the stream because his, uh, his, his, his Wi-Fi connection got the best of him. Uh, so we're going <laughs> to lost save the him battle for next, for next. He lost the battle. Yeah. But <laughs> the war is not over. He's still got to beat Winnipeg. He's we'll avenge him. Florida. Yeah. So, well, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll get in. He'll get in. He'll get back in here at some point. He got a 10 minute cameo. He did all right for himself today. Yeah. 10 minute cameo. Not, not bad. Not bad. Uh, we we'll let it out. Talked a little bit about uh, Winnipeg and um, uh, Winnipeg and uh, oh yeah, Henrik Lundqvist and um, Winnipeg. Yes, right. We yes. hit on we hit on all four topics: Winnipeg times three and Lundqvist. Yes, um, but also um, going back to Laviolette, the other another thing I want to talk about. This is another quote he had: uh, "There has to be a clear cut plan on what we're doing." Mm-hmm. For me, it's always been a little more of an aggressive approach. Defense is always a priority. For me, it's about the attack. It's about pressuring. It's about puck pursuit. So this what this quote is telling me is four check. Yes. Four check. You know? All your guys gotta gotta be aggressive. Not exactly like the hurricanes, maybe, but right. you know, the, the team's got a different style. They have skilled uh mm. players on there. We were talking last week with Colin Stevenson about how you have east-west players, but there are times where you're going to have to play north-south. Look at the, the finals. Look at those two teams. The Panthers, when they had to, absolutely they dumped and chased the puck. They mm-hmm. stayed the course with that with that style. Jack Eichel, remember that play he made in the, in the Dallas series? Dumped the puck in, created a turnover between him and the goalie, did what it and t- they scored. Did what it took to win. Right. Even the skill players buy into it. Mm-hmm. Always. Always. You need Gotta it. do it. Bruce Cassidy was essentially an outcast in the NHL when he got fired by the Bruins because everyone seemed to hate him because the players wanted him out. And what does he do the first season with the new team? He wins with the Stanley Cup with them. So clearly coaching like that is effective in the NHL. So I, I hope that Laviolette, I don't see any reason why Laviolette won't have success because I think if the Rangers played more aggressive, specifically against the Devils, I think that the Rangers with the roster they had last season, if they played more aggressive and more consistent throughout the lineup and was a team, not a team of individuals, that there is no reason that we shouldn't have at least at minimum been in the conference finals this year with the roster we had. And it's also evidence, like what you mentioned about uh, Bruce Cassidy, it's also evidence that 
the retread route is not the worst way to go. It's not. It works. Mm-hmm. It works. Paul Maurice, guy's been around the yeah. league forever. Why? Because he's a good coach. Exactly. He may not have won in Winnipeg, but he got them to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Right? Every Getting year. them to the playoffs, you never know what's going to happen. Never mm-hmm. know what's going to happen. And yes, I am absolutely 100% still on the board that I would like Chris Knobloch to be here. I would like Chris Knobloch to be behind the Rangers bench at some point in the near future. But Peter Laviolette represents the best, the best option for the Rangers right now. Right. You watch the Devils series; it just exploded in our in our faces. It just exploded after scoring ten goals in the first two games. The team fell apart. Why? Why did they fall apart? Is it a the coach failed to adapt? Is it b the players failed to? play the way they needed to play or C all of the above. It all is the above. C all of the above. The problem is you have players on the team that have full no movement clauses. Yep. So you're not going to ask Artemi Panarin, Hey, wave your no movement clause right yep. now. And we're mm-hmm. going to trade you. You cannot do that. How do you think, even if he does do that, how do you think the rest of the team is going to respond? Especially if you don't get a guy that says good back. Exactly. Yeah, it would not be a good look. And it uh, oof. That that would be an ugly fallout. Right? Like it just it would it would defeat the purpose the all the, the, the progress the Rangers have made to this point. Last year they made it to the conference finals. It was a miracle run, a Cinderella run. They mm-hmm. were not supposed to do that. They were not supposed to make it to come back from three one down against the Penguins. They were not supposed to beat the Hurricanes when they went down 2-0 and 3-2 in the series. Mm-hmm. It wasn't supposed to happen. They bought in and they did it together. It's a special group of players. You cannot take it away from them yet. I'm not taking that away from them yet. Even though they collapsed, I still mm-hmm. think at their core, they are a good group of players. And if this guy, Laviolette, could make them work harder and realize those dreams and that potential to lift the Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. then sign me up for it. 100%. I feel like Trocek would fit perfect in Laviolette's system because Trocek at his best was when he was separated from Panarin playing the North-South game. And it sounds like that's a lot of what Laviolette's going to be implementing is a North-South system. And another thing, too, I think another player that would benefit greatly from Laviolette's system is going to be Alexi Lafreniere because the best Alexi Lafreniere hockey we saw is when he was mucking and grinding down low, winning puck battles in the corner, skating out in front, either making a pass or taking a shot, making a move. Because he's not the best skater, Lafreniere. Let's call a spade a spade. He is not the best skater. But my God, when he works with the puck down low or is one-on-one with the defender, he is pretty freaking scary. And I think a north-south game would benefit him greatly. You just kind of you got to hope that other players are going to be able to adapt with that because Artemi Panarin's slow skating east-west style might fall stale under a north-south aggressive system. So I, I wonder if I wonder if Laviolette is going to have certain lines doing certain things. I wonder if he's going to want his top line being energy, his second line being maybe east-west, slow it down, make plays, pretty plays, and then third and fourth line, same thing, north-south, energy, energy, energy. It's kind of what you saw with uh, with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. With the first line, it was Eichel, Marchessault, and Barbershop, correct? I think that was their top line. And that was a that was north south that was in your face fast as hell. Then the second line you had the William Carlson and Riley Smith line that was could create offense but was mostly out there to shut down the other team's best lines. So a little bit more east west. And that third and fourth line was in your face north south, causing turnovers, causing havoc, and scoring a lot of goals in the playoffs too. I also like that Laviolette talks about the grit aspect. Yes, I know we've gone back and forth talking about that thing. I've even heard some people say, like, oh, would you want Tom Wilson on the Rangers? What the hell? That's crazy, man. After everything he did. And you know what? I said, yes. Yes. 100%. I would love Tom Wilson on the Rangers. I think you and I talked about that, too, uh, before the Rangers even got eliminated in the playoffs. I think we were talking about it during the playoff intro stream about what could happen in the offseason when we when we veered off the, the course a little bit. We talked about Tom Wilson think i can't remember that but i mean i i would i would say yes that is exactly the type of player the rangers need mm-hmm. but will it happen i don't think so because they wouldn't you know, trade him here Cap space he's gonna have a new contract coming up he's got over five million dollars on his contract the rangers need to be shedding money not adding mm-hmm. right not they're not 
The only money they should be adding to this core is on the guys that they already have. That goes for Miller and Lafreniere. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tyler Mott, too. Okay, right. But Gotta like, resign Mott. Yeah. But if you resign Mott, like, I'm for it, but I would like to see a fourth line center signed because I number one, I don't think Barkley Goodrow could or should be a center anymore. I think he's best as a winger, and I think Tyler Mott is mostly a f- more effective as a winger than he is a center too. I think you got to put a center between those two. Um, you know how we were talking about like identity, mm-hmm. like the Rangers were lacking in identity, a true style of play. Yeah. Well, here's another quote. This one comes from uh, Molly Walker's Twitter account, but. Laviolette, the compete inside the game is what makes teams great. It drives them to success. I don't think that's something you can just ask for. I think that you have to practice that on a daily basis. It has to become habit. It has to become your identity. Part of the DNA of who you are, and and it has to start in training camp. It has to be held to a level of accountability. When you have that and you have the skill, that's how teams push on and they compete for Stanley Cups, win Stanley Cups, have really good hockey teams. Now that... To me, is a great quote, mm-hmm. but if it follows the same logic that the Rangers had, where they provided the best quotes after the games, during the playoffs, and they just fell flat on their face, then it's going to be meaningless. So right. I want to see. I don't think Laviolette is the type of guy that would, you know, fall flat on his face with those kinds of no. expectations. I think Mm-mm. he's already starting to talk to players. He's already in communication with them. He texted. He texted uh, Adam Fox too. I think he met him already. Um, he talked about that in his presser. Yeah, um, he thought that was pretty cool. Which is, mm-hmm. which is, which just goes to show you, Rangers aren't a total failure at prospect development. Right. And then people will argue and say, "Well, Adam Fox came and he was already developed." Blah blah blah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Keandre Miller. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sturkin. Even Braden Schneider to a point too. Braden Schneider. Henry. He's Lundquist. still young. Oh, Hank the Tank. Rangers are always good at developing goalies, though. How how spoiled are the Rangers with goaltenders? Shockman, Richter, Lunkfish, Sturkin, and all the guys before them. Elite goaltender. That's Elite. Like the thing that they've had. That's the thing. Um, but yeah, you know what? Just if if you're a fan and you don't like the Laviolette hiring, if you think it's bad that he's the Islanders guy, like okay, I understand that the Islanders side and that he played for the Flyers. He's a lifelong right. rival. Let's give the guy a chance. Let's 100%. give the guy a chance. You know? um, he's been a coach for over 20 years for a reason. He's got mm-hmm. 750 wins for over 750 wins for a reason. And and about the retread route once more, every coach starts from somewhere. Even right. Peter Laviolette. He started somewhere. He said, what was it, over 30 years coaching? Yep. So he had to start somewhere. And. Chris Knobloch will get his opportunity one day. And I'll I think go- Knobloch's the next coach. I, I think that I think that the unless another team poaches him, which I don't think the Rangers would let, I think they'll protect him the same way they protected Drury. Drury. Yeah. Uh, I think I think you'll see a route similar to that. I think the road is being paved where he's going to be the next coach of the New York Rangers. And I really hope that there are open lines of communications between the Rangers and the Wolfpack about putting systems in place that are identical in the NHL that they are in the AHL. So when players call up, you get you get called up. You see what happens in Tampa Bay. When guys get called up, they already know what the systems are because they're the same in the minors that they are in the AHL, and they could fit right in. And I hope that we can see something similar to that, and I think we will. And let's see how Love You Let handles Will Cooley and Brennan Othman. That'll yes. be interesting to see. I talked. To, I asked uh, Colin about it last week, and you know weren't really sure yet because the Rangers we talked about it on when we had Python on on right. other streams about the Rangers could go bargain bin shopping. Right. Or they could rely on Will Cooley or Brendan Othman. Those are the two options that they have in I think Will Cooley and Othman are made for a lobby system. He likes that north south aggressive hockey. I mean those I mean especially Othman. I mean we watch Othman highlights often. And his whole thing is north-south aggression. And yeah. same thing with Will Cooley. Dude, I think, to tell you the truth, I, I still think that Will Cooley is more of a lock to make the Rangers roster than Othman is because Cooley's older and has a year of professional hockey under his belt. But I think both players could develop very well under Laviolette systems. But I, I think this year, at least year one, you're going to see it more for Will Cooley than Othman because I do think Othman's going to get a year in the minors. I believe they're both left-wingers too. So somebody's yes. got to play the right side. Right, right. Although, I yeah, and... 
hell, you can make it work. You move, guys. If, hey, you're the NHL, you're good work. enough. R- r- right, 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 right. You're making million dollars to play hockey. You can go from one wing to the other. You'll be okay. Mm-hmm. If I can do it on Tuesday nights playing beer league, getting my ass kicked, you can do it making a million dollars. Yeah, I almost feel like they should have Cooley start working on working the right side. 100%. 100%. Especially right. so, especially cuz Othman's the more offensively driven player. Yes. You play to his his uh his uh preferences. Right, exactly. One thing I do worry about Will Cooley, I, I want to make sure they develop him as a good player, not as a fourth line muck and grind guy. That's just going to be like a, a a hitting and pims guy and that's about yeah, it. Yeah, but isn't Will, he like the kind of guy that, Oh, I see what you're saying. Like you, like, you know what like you know what I mean like box and stuff. Right, 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 right. Cuz Will Cooley has like and I say it all the time. I had I had Ryan Grop hanging over at Will Cooley. I was down on him until I got to see Will Cooley play in person uh, when the Hartford Wolfpack were in town playing the Charlotte Checkers. Will Cooley is a very good hockey player, and I think there there is definitely a path for him to play consistent middle six, maybe even top six NHL minutes for the New York Rangers one day. And I think out of Will Cooley, I, I can't think of a comparison off the top of my head, but I think you're looking at like a, a at his maybe his ceiling I, you never want to put a ceiling on a young man but i think a ceiling you could see is like a, a 20 goal 20 assist guy through and through that's hitting everything that moves and can play in all scenarios and that is not a bad thing to have by any stretch of the imagination no it's not bad uh and you know you need two wingers for for Heedle. yes yes what he's had in the past too mm-hmm. um i mean the kid line was obviously the best but at the beginning of last season when you had the stacked two lines where mm-hmm. Taco and Lafreniere were in the top six on mm-hmm. the right side, you had uh, VZ and I think Barkley Goodrow were playing with with uh, Philip Hedl. Oh, God. Right? I did kind of remember have that. Carpenter, yeah. Hunt, and Reeves on the floor. Oh, my God. How crazy that like that was actually like a deployed unit at the beginning of the season. Dryden Hunt, Ryan Reeves, and fucking Ryan Carpenter, man. Oh my god. Well, Hunt was a good fourth liner, but Oh, I liked I liked Dryden Hunt, dude, but it is just wild. Yeah. That like that is who we started with versus what we ended with. Yeah. Yeah. Like none of those guys were even on the team at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yep. They they went through so much. They mm-hmm. added a lot to the team. Dude, it goes to show that like what we see on day one has no implication. I won't say no implications. It's not the end all be all to what you'll see at the end of the season. Like that's why I'm a big believer in. And I think again, this works with Lavillette system that you need to carry at least 14 forwards and have two or three guys rotating in and out every single game so nobody feels safe in their job. I think having Jimmy VC as a 13th, 12th forward is great, but I think you need guys nipping at his heels so he doesn't feel like oh, I don't really need to play hard all the time. I'm my spot's secure. I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Like, have have guys nipping at players' ankles. There's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong. Nothing bad has ever come from competition w- within a sports team. You want guys competing for that spot because you want them hungry to move up, get better, get that paycheck, get, get this out of the other thing because it's just going to make them work harder. And by them working harder, the team's going to get better by default. Didn't the 13-14 Rangers do that with Dorsett, JT Miller, Dan Carcillo? Yes, those guys. dude. Yes. And that's why Carcillo, when he was in the lineup, played his friggin' ass off because he knew he was a mistake away or a bad game away from Derek Dorsett being right behind him and taking a spot. Yeah, that's a smart way of looking at it. Instead mm-hmm. of looking at it as, oh, why the hell is this guy in the lineup? And then when right. he scores a goal, it's like, wow, all right, you know, I see it's it. like, oh, wow, okay, all right. Well, well, dude, even let's go even further back than that because you know what's funny? I was actually looking at this the other day. The twenty was it 2011-2012? What, what was the Rangers team that lost the Devils in the Commerce Finals? That was 11-12, right? Yeah. So I'm going to pull up that roster real quick. So the 2011-2012 Rangers, right? So they had oh, – no, they don't need the player count. I think they had over 30 players play a game that season. And that was, in terms of a systems team playing to a system, was mo- was one of the most effective teams within their system I've ever seen the Rangers ever have. Like, there was a system, and they stuck to it, and they did not stray from that system. That's not always the best thing ever, but you want to talk about guys playing for their jobs every single night? I don't think there was a team more committed than that 2011-2012 Rangers team. Because, dude, you had the John Mitchell, Mike Rupp, Eric Christensen, Sean Avery, Zuccarello, Wojtek Wolski, Tim Erickson, yep. Mike Michael Sauer, 
Uh, he ended up getting hurt, of course. But Steve Eminger, Jeff Wojtka, Stu Bickle, Prust, Fedotenko, like Chris Newberry, you, like John Scott. You had all these guys that were fighting for a spot every single night. And it made everybody on the team better because you did not want to lose your spot to the guy that was just below you that was just as hungry as you were to have that spot every single night. Yeah. Now, eventually, you'll you'll come to a point where, you know, you can't hold on to the guy forever, with, right. especially in the case of Avery because they had to let mm-hmm. him go. They waited. Right. Him. right. But, yeah, like that that idea. And, like, that was the the one move the Rangers made that deadline was John Scott. Yes. For a fifth so round pick. they added, added that even more mm-hmm. to – like that was a huge fourth line. Boyle, Scott, and Dude. Uh, Prust. And Prust. That was a goony fourth line, dude. That was like that could have been the Legion of Doom. Mike Rupp, oh, and Rupper. Right. I forgot yeah, Rupper too. Dude, damn, I mean, that was a different game back then. I mean, that was that was the same year that we had that face-off brawl against the Devils. Remember that? It was Bickle, Bickle, Prust, and Rupp against it was Ryan Carter. Um God, Ryan Carter got bloodied in that fight. It was yeah. him. It was uh was it Carter? Was it Eric Bolton? Was he one of them? Carter I Bolton. Know. I don't even remember. I forget the devil. I, I think it was Car- Ryan Carter, Eric Bolton, and I can't think of the third one right now. Kind of want to look it, it up. up right now. Yeah, could not because now I want to know. Ryan Bolton. Carter, Cam Jansen, and Eric Bolton. Cam freaking Jansen, dude. That was the goon squad back then. You like every time you watch a, a, a Metropolitan Division or back then, what was it before it was the Metro? It was the um God, what Atlantic was the name of the division? The Atlantic Division, right? Y- you were guaranteed a fight every single night. Mm-hmm. Every single night. The Rangers played a, an Atlantic Division rival. Well, that at least the awesome. Rangers Devils rivalry is is rekindled. But the Rangers yes. cannot lose again. To the I Devils agree. in the first round. They have got to come out on the other end. Mm-hmm. The rebuild will be a failure. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. It's, it's tough. It's tough. Um, in other news, the Rangers have started filling out their um, their coaching staff. Mm-hmm. First, Michael Pekka, former former uh, NHL great, two-time Selkie winner, nominee for Selkie Trophy, I think over five times maybe. Mm-hmm. He is going to be on the Rangers bench. He worked previously in the AHL with uh, with the Rochester Americans. They did he did good work there. Um, he's known for like his face off work. Like I think yes. he's career over fifty percent, like fifty two percent on the dot. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rangers need that, man. Yes, it's been too long. Like the Rangers have sucked long enough in the dot. They get Trocheck, mm-hmm. who's always good in the dot, and he's bad in the dot. Like, in the playoffs, he was – oh, in the playoffs, he was – in the regular season, I think he was 55.3. And in the playoffs, I'm not even sure if he was at 40%. He might have been below 40. It's awful. It's a curse. It's a curse. Um, it is. Selkie Trophy, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He's He was he was uh, top 10 in Selkie vote. Top five, actually, in Selkie voting. Ten times. Or, uh, that is insane. Seven times, sorry. I don't even think the Rangers ever had a Selkie Trophy winner, did we? Nope. I don't think so. You, do you know who I think is going to benefit the most from, from Pekka? Is Zibanejad. Because Zibanejad's already a really good two-way center. Now you've got a guy like Pekka to give him even more pointers, man. I mean, who knows? I mean, Zibanejad's still... Stephen is, is, is called out for a, yes. a long time. But go ahead, what you were saying. Like, because Zibanejad's still, like, you know, he's by no means a kid anymore, but he's still a young man. He's not 30 years old yet. He's what? Zibanejad's, what, 28? Yeah. 29, maybe? I can't think of it off the top of my head. He might be 30. Either way, he's still, like, he could still get better. All these players get better. Like, I'm very happy with with the P.E.K.K.A. Pekka signing. I think it's going to only help the penalty kill. It's only going to help the Raiders' defensive systems, and it's going to make everyone just better away from the puck. And that that's Zibanejad is thirty. Not oh, thirty. Okay, so well, yeah. Um, no, I I love the hiring. I I have no complaints about that one. The Rangers also hired Dan Muse, and mm-hmm. uh, from what I've I haven't heard too much about him, um, but he recently coached the U.S. A hockey's national team development program, the mm-hmm. under 18 for the world championships. 
uh, alongside Chad Kalarik, who is a uh, former right. Ranger. He had like 12 or 13 games as a Ranger. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. I remember that name. Um, but he's going to be one of the assistants, I believe. I don't know too much about him, though. Anything? Anything? I, I I tried to do research and I and I tried to use like certain words to filter like like what kind of coach is he and like I tried to find articles. It, it seems like he's a developmental guy, but it's really it's hard to tell. And I to tell you the truth, I think the developmental tag gets stuck on any coach that coaches junior teams. That's not always the case. Just because you coach Rangers Muse says at NY Rangers Muse, uh, Dan Muse has been hired by the Rangers. Here's what you need to know. Coached the 2023 U.S. under-18 team to gold. Was an assistant for Laviolette in Nashville. Coached There's the a connection. He coached the Chicago Steel. He won a championship there. And he coached Yale University, and he won a championship there. So, so winning coach. like They're looking for winners. You know what's actually a fun fact about Muse? I'm pretty sure that when Phil Housley was poached from Winnipeg to coach the Buffalo Sabres, Muse was Phil Housley's assistant coach replacement. He took mm-hmm. Housley's spot that was vacated. Yep, and Phil Housley is now going to be on the Rangers. He's mm-hmm. he was an assistant to Laviolette with Nashville before two seasons as Sabres head yes. coach. Um, I think he was before Granado, right? Yes, Phil Housley, and mm-hmm. that was back in my days of hating on the Sabres for being a, a colossal failure of an organization. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping Housley doesn't doesn't crap the bed here. I mean that whole. I mean they were just in shambles. There was nothing going right, and I, I think I don't think Housley is entirely to blame for that. Obviously, he put a little bit of blame on the coach, but I don't think he was the entire reason. Especially because the young players, at least at the very least, the young players on the Sabers were having success under Housley. The rest of the team, not so much. Yeah, I'm hopeful that uh, Housley comes through here, but I still want to see Knobloch. I was yes. saying that I wanted to see Knobloch on the bench. It doesn't look like that, but I like that they went with younger guys like yes. uh, Michael Pekka. That's mm-hmm. great. That's yes. a good move. I, I love that. That sounds like a jury hire. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what Sap Boy Steven was talking about. Um, I think I think it's a good move. I think these are great I moves agree. for the Rangers. Uh, I'm surprised that they came so quickly. I'm surprised that this was going to happen. It was Colin a bit Stevenson shocking. said like it's not likely that these guys would get hired before the Rangers extended offers to uh, what's it called? Um, Lavernier and Miller, or maybe he did. And I just got it flipped around. I can't remember, but I, I definitely like the early, I like the earliness of it. Cause you know what? Get as many collective minds together as you can. And maybe Chris Drury could, could, you know, ask them questions like, Hey, which players do you think would work well in your systems? And then right. they could become off-season targets. I am A-OK with them getting ahead which of it. guys, realistically, with what we right. have to work with, what mm. guys can come right. and play for this team, for your team, right? Right, right. Who have you worked with in the past that you prefer? You know, like, who knows? And you know what, too? Like, maybe bringing in these guys could be a low-key way of, like, maybe there's some free agents that the Rangers are looking at uh, that have relationships with the coaches that they hired. That would help in getting players to come to play for the Rangers next season. Who knows? Wayne Simmons. Oh my God, the Wayne train. Is he is he a free agent? I feel he, like he if is. If he doesn't retire, I believe he is a free agent, but I think he's a bit over the hill. I think I, his I think I, his playing days are over. I think he's washed and the style he played, God bless me, played for as long as he did, but I think I think his I think his playing days are over. At least yeah, being a net positive player. Team. Yeah. He's uh, usually like the cap friendly shows the deal at the very top, but it's at the bottom because it expired, right? It expired, but yep. like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe that's why, but I'm not sure. I'm not you sure. already know who I want for the fourth line, dude. You already know who I got my eyes set on as 12 Archibald. 13 forward, Josh freaking Archibald. That I'm telling you. Telling you people, do your research on Archibald, man. Well, it's not going to be Monahan, that's for sure, because he no. just signed an extension. He would have been a freaking great bargain bin signing, dude. If he could stay healthy, that is. I don't think Drew wins the answer. I, they need checkers. Yeah, need checkers. I agree. He, like, I talked about how balanced the, the Golden Knights were in a, on, on the tweet, but, like, like look at the construction of that lineup. Like, they have oh, two yeah. great players up front, Like right? They have Stone and Eichel. Yep. Right? And then you have a whole bunch of like great middle players. Like yep. Chandler Stevenson is a great oh. middle player. 
fucking Nicholas awesome. Nicholas Raw. Oh my god. Roy, that how do you pronounce his name? He's a great mm-hmm. like middle six center. Um, you have Jonathan Marchessault who just won MVP for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You could argue that he's like a top line player, like a 100%. top six player. He's a 30 30 guy. Smith. Absolutely. Yes. You have Riley Smith and Ivan Barbashev. Yep. That's five guys right there. Five guys right there to, for the middle of your lineup. Mm-hmm. That fills up that fills up the, the your, your middle two lines really, really well. Yep. And then your fourth line, you have Brett Howden who who, who carved out a nice role for himself. Colasar. Like that's a very, very balanced lineup. And the defense was solid too. They have um Martinez, they have uh, Shea Theodore, yep. and they have Petrangelo. Like that is a lot the, of depth, dude. Yeah. And they had a third string goalie in there, which means that if you have a good enough team out in front of whoever you have in there, you could win. Just ask Mackenzie Skapsky. Yes. Yes. Mackenzie Skapsky. But yeah, like, I'm not saying the Rangers should go and trade just Durkin. No. Don't don't take my words like that. But (laughs) if you build a solid enough team Mm -hmm. in front of just you're gonna destroy everybody. You should. 100%. You should. Dude, they were so good. They had freaking Phil Kessel in the rafters sitting in the seats. Like Phil Kessel is still a really good NHL player. And he couldn't crack this lineup. It's a well-constructed team. And to your point, you're right. You've got a good enough team. The goalie's just your fail safe at the end of the day. Like and I don't think the Rangers have ever had that because we've had good goalie for so long that we've just had completely mid-rosters, and that's why we can't ever win anything. I, I think that also goes for Florida, too. Like, how what I was saying about the Rangers, how if you put a good enough team in front of them, then they'll go far. Right. Like, Bobrovsky finally started playing the way that he needed to play. Yep. And they put together a team that's great out in front of him. Mm-hmm. And they just demolished all the competition. They they destroyed everybody else. Really, like once, I mean, aside from that first, uh, aside from going down three one, they never looked back. They, they never not. looked back. Made quick work of them. They made the Maple Leafs look like a friggin' minor league team. Right. They At least in some them. of those games they did. Like they they seriously they took arguably the most potent offense in the entire NHL and put them to bed. And they Wrapped destroyed the Hurricanes, too. Oh, my God. That was just a f- – that was mincing. And even the game they won against Vegas, I know it was a close game, but they went head-to-head with the Vegas Golden Knights, and, I mean, they got murdered that last game, but, I mean, they put up a freaking fight. And they didn't even have the best roster. They just had good depth where they needed it. The, the the finals this year were just a testament to how you should build a team. Yeah. Right? 100%. A lot of people said that the Panthers were not built to win. I always disagreed. I always thought mm-hmm. they, you know, they had good players on the team. They just, you know, something needed to click before right. they figured it out. And they did. They got Matthew Kachuk. That's the yeah. <laughs> That was what separated them from everybody else. I know they gave up Huberdeau, who had 100 points. They gave up Uyghur. But in Huberdeau's place, you had Matthew Kachuk, who had 100 points this year. Mm-hmm. Huberdeau had nowhere near 100 points. They have 59, I think, 5'9". Brandon Montour was a beast. Yep. A absolute menace to society. 73 points. 70-plus points this year. I don't know what Uyghur had, but... Montour really, really stepped up this year mm-hmm. and filled that void. So, essentially, they got the better player without giving up anything. Exactly. And you know what, too? I think a lot – like, I think, like, having a guy like Matthew Kachuk is beyond just the what he does as an individual. It's what he does rubs off on everybody else. People see yep. him playing his ass off, they follow suit. They Now they're playing their ass off. And then you've got a really good team. Uh, you got a 20-man roster playing their ass off every single night. Carter Verhage. From from ECHL or two or three years ago, maybe four years ago now, to 40 goal score. Lutz Arena ends up being a great fourth liner. Um uh, Sam Reinhart, 30 goal score, like all these guys. Relying on Lundell. Right. Who is like a top right. Mm-hmm. God, what a mess. Yeah. I can't believe all that right. guy slipped out of the top ten. We are gonna transition to the changeup. 
talking about the New York Mets. Hey everyone, this is Joey D from Ice Cold Takes, the Rangers podcast on the Old City Sports Network. I have something awesome to show everyone. Check this out. This is the whole shebang craft jerky gift bundle from Righteous Felon, home to the best beef jerky you've never had. It includes 12 jerky flavors ranging from spicy to savory to built on. You also get four meat sticks in the bundle. If you're looking for a Father's Day gift, look no further. Consider purchasing this awesome bundle. It costs $69.99, but since it's over $50, you'll get free shipping. And on top of that, you'll save 20% if you use our promo code OCSN at checkout. I bought this bundle for my dad for Father's Day, and I can't wait for him to try it. Don't delay. Head on over to RighteousFelon.com today and save 20% on your order with code OCSN. That's code OCSN at RighteousFelon.com. Special thank you to Righteous Felon for sponsoring the Old City Sports Network. Look at that little ad read. All right. I like of course, that. Change Up, sponsored by Righteous Felon. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use promo code OCSN to get 20% off your favorite flavors of beef jerky. Best jerky around. Best jerky you've never had. Um, but yeah, that that offer was for... I mean, that's the, that offer still applies. It's past Father's Day. We were just talking... I had my uncle over, and um, me, him, and my dad were trying all the flavors out. There was like maybe 10 flavors in that thing. Awesome. Everything, everything in the in the bundle is great. Awesome. Three, it's not, nothing better than three men, you know, just jerking around. I like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Easy there. <laughs> I'm just playing. I do want to try it though, dude. You you send us that link, and I was looking around at some of those flavors. That actually looks really freaking good. It's I don't even like jerky, jerky, but I would try it. It's high quality. It's like it's not. If you've ever had like the like the Slim Jim kind of thing. I forget mm. what the uh what the brand is the deer or something deer i don't know oh the ones that are like in like walmart and stuff yeah yeah mm-hmm. i know what you're talking about uh jack links jack links it's not like that it's fresh and you could actually chew on it like it's not really like, the, like a rock or right yeah like literally cut it in half with a sawzall in order like... yeah yeah like a sawzall <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> It's it's perfect. It's perfect. It's great. It's great jerky, and um, you should try it. And everybody listening to the show should should try it. Um, I'm always yeah, for a jerky. To the changeup, the Mets still suck. Still um, suck. They are horrible when scoring five or more runs. Last year they only lost like four or five games all year. This year they've lost like fifteen games. Fifteen so games when scoring five or more runs. You know what that means? That means the pitching is atrocious. And the team sucks. And the team sucks. Yeah, the team is just awful, dude. It's it's getting so freaking hard to watch because like you like like, here was the big thing, right? We all complained that Vogelback sucked and Vogelback and Fam they couldn't freaking do anything. Well, of course, the second Vogelback and Fam start doing everything, the players that were doing stuff when they weren't start to suck. It's like we just can't just like make it work. Like everyone just gets good at the same time. There is just not one thing the Mets can do right this season. And I, I just I can't wait for it to be over with because there's no way in hell they're making the playoffs this year. If they make the playoffs, it'll be it'll be nothing short of a miracle. And it's just like they have nothing, dude. The pitching is bad, the hitting is bad, the fielding is bad, the base running is bad. Everything is just bad. They're not like I I was jokingly calling them the mids. They might even be worse than mid at this point. It's just <laughs> they're like, the lulls. It's like seriously, dude. It's like there's no hockey and there's nothing on. Like, there's nothing I loved more in the summertime than, like, if I had a day off of work, my dad when I, my dad and I would just sit down like, oh, the Mets are on. Let's watch the Mets game. We don't even want to do that because it's like, it's like a fucking, it's like a job having to watch them play. It's like a mental task and it just wears on you and I hate it. Seriously. Like, I didn't even realize the Mets were playing this afternoon. Uh, 10 to 8 they lost the Astros. That first game, it looked promising. It looked promising. Ham, Ham, Fam is doing really well. He's finally starting to wake up. Fam is playing great this month. He's had a fantastic month. The pitching, on the other hand, is very sus. Very it's sus. So bad. Like 
Scherzer had a great start on uh on Friday. Verlander, eh, not too much. He's not too, been doing the greatest recently. No, Verlander is, and, and you know what? Verlander's walks and um his whip is still one one point two one, which is pretty pretty above average for MLB pitcher. I I I would I think it's a fair statement, right? But man, it's just from where he was at a year ago. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying Verlander's not trying as much, but he just does not look nearly as good as he did a calendar year ago, and it's 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 frustrating to watch. That's Mets luck for you, right? You know, you you get the guy. Just one year too late. One year too late. I mean, that's what happens when you sign 40-year-olds to $40 million. with the Rangers. But, I mean, right. granted, those guys don't seem like they're slowing down. They didn't seem like they were slowing down anytime soon. No, they didn't. They showed n- absolutely no indications of that. Same thing with Scherzer, too. And Scherzer, like, Scherzer's not, like, doing that bad. Right? So Scherzer's got a 1.16 whip. His ERA is a 404, which is fucking really high. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, I don't know, man. Getting like, Quintana back would be nice. Yes. Because at the very least, it just stops uh, Carrasco from even looking at the mound. Speaking of <laughs> which, where is, where is Carrasco? I saw oh. I saw a meme the other day. It was from the movie Vacation where it was just, the kid was like waving at like the girl. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, someone comes from behind and it's like, like, like puts a plastic bag over his head. And it's like pictures. Oh. Mets pitchers waving at victories, and yep. then it's Carlos Carrasco. Like, yep. Just, <laughs> dude, he's his ERA is six point three four. You know, let, let's let's go on baseball savant. Let's just take a like a two minute, uh, little detour to baseball savant, and let's let's like look how bad Carlos Carrasco actually is, because I mean, like, like seriously, I, I don't think has Carrasco had an an outing where he's gotten out of the first inning without sacrificing a run this season. Has he? I don't know. I don't know. It always seems like he does. It always seems like he gets multiple runs in the first inning. Or as soon as the Mets go up, he lets in a run. Right. Here, I'm going to share my screen with you so you can see this. Okay. That This, is, this man is making 13 or – no, he's making $15 million this year. What am He's I got, looking at here? So uh, look at, see where my cursor is? Yes. Okay. So if it's blue, it's bad. 100 is the best. Zero is the worst. Okay. He's only got two categories where he's in the 50th percentile or higher. Or higher. It's his extension, which is only in the 57th percentile. And curve spin, which is in the 79th percentile. His chase rate is awful. His velocity is bad. His spin rate is bad. His whiff rate is bad. His barrel percentage is awful. His expected ERA and expected WOBA is some like some of like the sixth percentile. What that the hell is nine, a WOBA? Uh, it, it's 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 some advanced metric. I don't know. I don't fully understand it. Um, uh, it's some it's something about batting average. I forget. I forget. Um, I think it's what it is. But either way. Uh, it's the stat that Giraffe, Nick, Mark, uh, and Wardy, and a lot of the MLB content creators seem to focus on, and it's pretty indicative of, of how well a player is. Uh, but it, we'll look here. We'll look at this, right? So strikeout rate: ninety-five percent of pitchers in the MLB, ninety-five percent of pitchers in the MLB have a better strikeout percentage than Carlos. Wow. Carrasco. Expected batting average: eighty-eight percent of pitchers have a better expected batting average than Carlos Carrasco. Like 56% of pitchers right? have a better chase rate. Like, like, th- like this is how bad Carlos Carrasco is. And then like, let's, we'll just put it against a pitcher like Shohei Otani. So you could see what the difference is. Uh, Shohei Otani will be right here as soon as it loads. So look, Holy uh, crap. Yeah. Do you, you see the difference? Oh my God. Now I believe this is his, this is his hitting. So this Wait, is what it looks what? like we're hitting. Pers- yeah, so that because we're looking at his hitting, we want to look at his um, uh, pitch highlighter. I think is this it? No. Um, hold on. Let's do something. Let's, let's look up an actual pitcher. Like, who, who's the best pitch name will be this season? Is it um the dude in uh, the dude in Miami? Um, no, 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 not him. Uh, not Cor- yeah, Corbin Burns. He's a good pitcher. We'll look up Corbin Burns just just as a reference. Cy Young I would winner like last to year. See Hotani's like uh, pitching metrics. 
I do too. I don't know how to get it though. I'm very, very novice at looking at what's here. Corbin Burns. Holy crap! Yeah. Now do bad. you see what the now do you see the difference? Yeah. Yeah. So like he's in. Corbin Burns is in the highest, like the higher percentile in okay. everything. Right. Strikeout percentage, curve spin, uh, fastball spin. Right. Right. And then, and then from a batter's perspective. I think Aaron Judge is the best metric of any MLB player. I don't even think it's close. Like, look at Judge's metrics. Uh, as soon as it pops up. Like, see, look. Everything is 100. 100 or zero. <laughs> <laughs> see, like, his whiff percentage, right? So 98% of players don't swing and miss as much as Judge do. But Judge barrels up the ball, has higher exit velocity, max exit velocity, so all this stuff better than anybody else in the league. So he swings and misses at more pitches than anybody. Than ninety eight percent of the league, yeah. Oh, so he's the, okay. yeah. So ninety eight percent of the league is better at make at hitting the ball. He swings and miss swings and misses more than ninety eight percent of the league is basically what that is. He strikes out more than eighty seven percent of the league, and that's basically what that is. But then we then we let's look at Max Scherzer, right? Because we just talked about Max Scherzer and and um and Justin Verlander. Let's like like their advanced metrics are not awful, but they're not great either. I'll call up here in a second. Like look like look. At least his metrics are showing a guy that's maybe just having bad luck. His yeah, spin like rates are up. His percentage, like he's not doing bad. His walk he's, percentage is up too. Like he's yes, that means he 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 walks fewer batters when it's like right, that. right, exactly right. If if his if his walks were in the blue. It would suggest that he's walking more batters because okay. it's in the red. He's not walking much, and that was always a big concern with 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 uh, Max Scherzer was he was walked a lot of batters, get up a lot of home runs, which he still gets up a lot of home runs and hard hits because his barrel percentage is the 29th percentile, which means players are batting. He uh, was always like that, though. Right, it always gives up the long ball. And then Verlander, I believe his metrics were pretty bad. Yeah, his metrics mm. are really bad. Last year, what were they like? Um, I wonder if you can go back a year. I wonder if you have to pay for that. You might. I'm honestly not sure. Um, I don't. That's know crazy. How much detail these guys put into that? Oh, it's 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 crazy. But like, but those just little numbers like that just shows you like the Mets are just so ill prepared like to be a playoff team. We we don't have. We, it's just really it's, it's very frustrating. I always frowned upon baseball analytics just because Don LaGreca said I love Donnie Bucks. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just that's that's absolutely mind blowing. Like the baseball savant, dude. Carrasco and mm-hmm. like the best pitcher. You mm-hmm. know, like how far the, how much like it's okay. Is. I understand, like, no, you're not gonna have the, the best pitchers. Like you're not right. gonna, every single pitcher is not gonna be the best pitcher, but you gotta have you have to Not have the somewhere worst. in the middle. You right, gotta have, right. You got to have average pitchers mm-hmm. there. You can't if you're not going to have every single guy be the very, very best that no one ever was. Um, to catch them is my real test, but um, mm. <laughs> Pokemon <laughs> reference for you. But um, <laughs> you got to have guys that fill in fill in the gaps, like the, right. the average guys. Mm-hmm. Not, not the, like literally not the, the worst. Below the sucking average, you know, like right? The, the slightly average above. to slightly above average. I mm-hmm. see. We don't have that, we're not, and we're not getting it from anybody. If you really want to take a deep dive and kill a couple hours of your time, go on Baseball Savant and look at every single New York New York Mets player. It's mind boggling, and, and you know what? There are some players that that what, have are they re- really bad, or are they some of them are really good, but some of them are fucking awful. Like like Pete Alonso has like a, a pretty all over the place um, baseball savant. Jeff McNeil is pretty consistent throughout. Lindor is surprisingly mid, like really not very not great metrics. He hasn't uh, been good recently though. Has not, but his metrics on there were never really good. Um, Vogelback is kind of all over the place because he he has a, he has a, gets on base a lot. Um, yeah, because he walks a lot. Right, right, and he he doesn't swing and miss as much as it feels like he does. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's he, cool. He has a, he's pretty good. He has pretty good knowledge of the strike zone. I I think. Right? Yes, he's a smart player. He's a very smart player, and thank God he's heating up. He's playing very well as of late. But just if you have time, just go on Baseball Savant and surf around a little bit. You mm. you'd be inter- it's yeah. interesting what you could find on there. Yeah. 
It's not the end all be all, but it's a it's a good suggestion of what players are. All right, so that concludes our change up talk, and that concludes this episode of the Ice Cold Takes podcast. Uh, the quest for Rick DiPietro still continues. Get on here, we will Rick. Get him on here. We will get him on here. We got Kevin Weeks. We got Ryan Callahan. We got Mike Grupp. We got Bill Pito. We got them all. We're gonna get Rick DiPietro on eventually. Mm-hmm. Rick, get on the show. <laughs> Well, anyways, Ice Cold Takes fans, thanks so much for listening. Nick, thanks for joining me. Hell Good yeah. talking to you, man. Always. Hey, Rangers fans, thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes Pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week. Time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay.